Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 227 of the Dark Windows podcast, and for some reason, Kevin has a fucking knife. It's, it's not, That's not a knife. It is. That's a knife. <laughs> yeah, the, the imaginary one you pulled. Yeah. No, that's that's my little uh, wood carving knife. I know. And so if you want to play the, the That's a Knife game, I will open the safe, and we can play That's a Knife, because I, I got some That's a Knives in there. <laughs> a couple of them. I bet you this might be... That bet you sharp. Sharper than most of those. No, no, I had my brother take the, uh, my brother sharpen my K-bar. Um, yeah, I could shave with it if I wanted to. This should be sharper just because it's uh, whittling. Yeah, but I use it for cutting up wood and stuff, so you, you lose the edge pretty quick. What are you cutting up? Well, I mean, yeah. it's That's kind of what it's used for. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I so just, it dulls. I stopped. Hey, by the way, I'm Kevin. Yep. And, uh, you know, we just started rambling at the we, beginning we of the did, podcast. because you pulled a fucking knife on me and in my you know, own home. So, you, know, so, you know, somebody's going to be like, oh, motherfuckers, just get on with it. Come yeah. on. First of all, we had a really, really fun one on uh, on Instagram today that I basically told the guy to eat dicks. Uh, said something to the effect of, your podcast is unlistenable. And I responded back, okay, so don't. And then uh, I posted it on Facebook and people have just been fucking shredding them. So if you're on the Facebook page, go over and enjoy the fun because I like picking on people. That uh, that dislike what we do for free, so, and like, here's the thing, he commented on a post for a uh, a Patreon episode upload on Instagram. I'm pretty sure this dude doesn't fucking, you know, uh, patronize our Patreon would be the best way to put it because uh, we got like seven people on there and he doesn't look familiar, so. We could figure it yeah. out. Yeah. You want to go, if you want to like say that our show's unlistenable, at least say it about one that you could have fucking listened to without paying us, you idiot. And please so. pay five bucks to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, at least you could do. I don't know. I'll tell him he's, I'll tell him he's an asshole for free right now. So, oh, <laughs> wow. So, anyway, I'm, I want to have money out of this deal. So, well, honestly, I mean, just so go pay all, me five all you bucks. have to do if you want to hear us call this guy an asshole is just listen to the ads that we put in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to help us if you don't want to get on Patreon. So anyway, speaking of assholes, we're going to uh, we're going to get back into Danny Green. Um so last week we ended with him setting up a uh a little bit of a raffle, which wasn't really a raffle because it was just him collecting money from people in his union that were selling tickets to people that they knew to raffle off a car which didn't exist. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna have uh, it. Last week seemed like forever ago, so I'm gonna have to get like 
Can you give a little bit of a refresher just yeah. so I'm so, caught back up? So basically, he hired he fe- he met this like cute girl at a bar that he decided he wanted to quote unquote hire to be uh-huh. his quote unquote secretary, right? Oh, quote unquote. And she drove a piece of shit car, and he decided you know, I can't have a girl that looks like this driving around in a you know whatever the fucking 1964 equivalent of a Ford Pinto was, um, maybe a Yugo. Yeah, you, you can't be driving around in a piece of shit. So he gave her the company car, which was this, like, giant green caddy, right? Okay. And then he said that what he's going to do is uh, he had a bunch of raffle tickets made up, and everybody in the union was given um, five books of tickets. Uh, the, the exact quote he had was that was attached to each, you know, the books of tickets was, you've been issued five books of tickets for which you are responsible Regardless of whether you sell them or not, the face value of the tickets is $30 per book. So basically, you owed him $30 per book for these tickets, whether you sold them or not or threw them in the trash or whatever. He was getting that money from you okay. one way or the yep. other to raffle off this car, which has already been given to somebody else. Uh, so that money is going into the Danny Green Retirement Fund. Of course. So... I mean, that's what you do, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a scumbag uh, union leader, like union boss, yeah, that's what you do. Or um, you own a uh, ski resort. Which one was that? Uh, up in Jay Peak. Oh, yeah. They, people with money do some shady shit. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. But the, when you start when you start thinking about unions, you automatically go, oh, there's some there's some, like shiftiness going on here there has to be but the thing is that i mean they didn't always they weren't always like that no but for the most part they they have been for a long time yeah well i think it started in the 70s oh no it started before that <laughs> it started like back in the like the 50s where it got real real shifty and shady actually no it's probably even even earlier than that because on the waterfront set in like the 40s and that was about shadiness at the docks with the unions and stuff so basically, it all started with Tammany Hall, <laughs> uh, because a, a yeah. ba- basically there was a political union. Yeah, yeah. We well, have. I mean, those fuckers. Those, well, I mean, the oh, the fuck are their names? People think think people think po- uh, fucking Boss Tweed. Yeah, yeah. People think politics are corrupt now. Son of a bitch. No fucking oh, way. Oh man. I mean, when you have a guy that's uh, the richest man in the world, be like. Get you know, be like, hey, well, you know, I know you're broke and everything to the United States because the United States comes to him like, yeah. hey man, can we borrow some money? And he's like, listen, I'll do it for you, but it's gonna be at a cost. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, come on. But then you also Shady have, you know, shit. <clears throat> you also have families that back both sides of wars and have have for all time, and then just collect shitloads of money off of them. Well, yeah, you know, um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> before we get uh, deleted by a fucking Rothschild assassin. Um, <laughs> so after the raffle is all said and over. Or we get given another one star. Oh, I, oh yeah. It, yeah, because that's that's how the fucking New World Order is going to take us down with one star reviews. Hey, hey, they could. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. That's what George Bush Sr. was warning us about was one star <laughs> reviews this whole time. <laughs> yeah. The fucking podcast industrial complex is going to collapse around us. Sons of bitches. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take them out. We'll, yeah. fucking... well, he's dead, so I don't have to, we don't have to worry about him. All right. Well, Junior. Then. Yeah. So, oh, Jesus. <coughs> so, Danny, 
like we said, okay, so first of all, if you've made it this far and have figured out that you are in part two, you need to go back and listen to last week. It's it's just yeah. not going to make sense going forward from here. But um, uh, it goes without saying, Danny Green, not a huge fan of the Italians. Um, big time, not really a... They're not buddies. Well, they are, but business buddies. He wouldn't, like, go hang out with them. And, they're, you know, they're, they're... He's not going to go to a fucking cannoli barbecue with these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're friends, but, you know... Friends with benefits. Mm. Yeah, because everybody benefits. It's just nobody's getting laid. It's true. Um, so he gets, you know, he gets back out to his newfound kind of running buddies that are all mobbed up. And one guy he starts getting in tight with was uh, a, a guy by the name of Junior Short. Who? Was oh, he short? He Well, no, but, you know, he's also not Italian, but. He, I didn't he's ask like the, if he was Italian. I just asked if he was short. Short's not an Italian name, though. That's what I'm getting at. But I didn't ask if he was Italian. I don't know if he was fucking short. I don't. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I had I Google mapped like the locations of these places. I didn't look at this guy's fucking <laughs> genealogy reports. I don't know how tall he was. You should have. You know what I do know though is he was basically the stereotypical like movie mobster. Ah. Uh... You know, chewing on cigars, fucking like the cheap suits, just. He, Generally looking like a scumbag, but he also kept a sawed-off 12-gauge in his upper, in his top desk drawer, uh-huh. um, and he had a twenty little, like, twenty two automatic that went in every jacket pocket that he put on, you know, because uh, a twenty two is a fantastic round, uh-huh. not personally what I would choose for, you know, personal defense. At this point in time, I'd be like, I want a thirty eight or something, a little bit more ass behind it. That twenty two though, you shoot somebody, the bullet don't come out. Yeah. If it's in the head. If you hit them on the right angle and it doesn't Maybe. bounce off their skull. Because it will. If you get them on a weird angle, it'll just go under the skin and fucking shoot out through and it just sucks. But Yeah, but if you get it so it goes in and then it goes ting, 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 yeah, ting, 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 you have to get it to do that. Well, I mean, I'd rather just take a thir- you know, take my chances with a thirty eight and just plug him in the chest and run away if I had to. I mean you know. I'll just do the 45. Fuck it. So Danny had a lot of meetings with him, like kind of all over town, including in Short's home. But while they're out and about, Danny ran into and became friends with the most Italian man that's ever existed, Nunzio Triscaro. Okay. Okay. I didn't make that name up either. So he's the head of the local 436 Excavation Drivers Union. Of course he is. He's Yeah. This is quote-unquote. Yeah, he's, he's air quotes the head of the union. Yeah. Um, but at this point in time, due to all of his connections, Triscaro basically feels like he's untouchable. And he kind of is because he's the second biggest head of a union that's under the umbrella of the Teamsters Union in, in the entire state of Ohio. Would you like to take a guess who the most powerful union member in the state of Ohio was ahead of him? Mm. Kind of a big name when it comes to union stuff. I don't know. Kind of a kind of a big name when it comes to unsolved mystery kind of shit. Even though I've read a book of a guy that claims he knows exactly where he is and what happened to him. Fucking Jimmy Hoffa. At but this he point, was in New York City. No, he was in Ohio. But Hoffa was in. He he was he was in he was based out of Ohio, but he was the. National head of the Teamsters Union. Hmm. I thought he was based out of Ohio. 
Yes, he was. I mean, out of uh, uh, New York City. He's based out of Ohio. He's in like Cincinnati. Um, Okay, because he was in New York City when he disappeared because he was there for a big uh, union conference kind of thing. And he was never seen again after that, which is why so many people think he's under the fucking whatever five yard line or whatever it was of Giant Stadium. Or he's under the mound of Shea Shea Stadium or. He was potentially stabbed in the back of the head multiple times with an ice pick and then put in a uh, large steel barrel and then buried and then dug back up and sold a scrap metal to Toyota. Very specific because I, yeah, like I said, read the book of a guy that said he did it, so. Or he's in the fucking river, you know. No, they would have found him if they threw him in the river. Um, They probably didn't, you know, they probably didn't, uh dredged the river to find him. Oh, of course they did. They, dude, people have been looking for Jimmy Hoffa since he fucking disappeared. Like, everybody. The FBI was looking for him. Like, every fucking local uh, agency that could get their hands on anything, they were all looking for him. There's still people looking for him. I mean, even if he was still alive, he'd be dead. You know what I mean? Well, it's, he pissed off the Italians. See, that doesn't make any sense, but it, you listen to how I said it, it kind of does. But, uh... So there's a lot of, like, old-school FBI files that have kind of fingered him as the missing link between the unions and the underworld in Ohio mm-hmm. for this Triscaro guy. So he had a, a kind of a neat little side business that caught Danny's attention. Um, he owned a day labor company that worked on the same kind of, uh, like, that old ship-up model of work where you show up, I you get handpicked. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a better chance of being handpicked to work if you're willing to cough up, like, 15% of your pay back to the big guy to uh to work um so when danny needed extra guys for this like the 1317 like if they had a lot of ships coming in or guys are being sent to other docks or whatever he'd call triscaro and he'd send as many guys to danny as he wanted these guys would have to pay quote a daily work fee which danny and triscaro would split in in some fashion i'm assuming probably like a 60 40 kind of split you know split thing here um and it's probably 40 Danny. Yeah, because Triscaro's fucking um, yeah, yeah. facilitating the entire thing, <clears throat> yeah. you know. So he's getting a bigger cut of whatever. Then Danny meets a guy that would alter his life forever. His name is John Nardi. Nardi was, was family to uh, some of the big name mobsters in Cleveland. And in his mind, this gives him the right to basically lean on whoever he wants and try to muscle in on whatever he wants to do, you know? Um, so by the age of 23, Nardi's got a, he's kind of a big name for the Cleveland vending machine union. There's a goddamn union for everything. It doesn't matter what business you're in. There is a union for it. Okay. Because that's how the shit works. Huh. Uh, I mean, you got dock, you got dock workers, um, Bolt, yeah. you, have, you have different dock workers. You've got stevedores, which are like working on the like the ports and stuff. Then you have the dock workers union, which are guys loading trucks. You've got the teamsters, which are the guys driving the trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a union for yeah. everything. You got a union for guys fucking putting toilet paper back on the rolls. You know, back in the things in the bathrooms. There's a janitor's union. There's a union for everything. You know, there's a fucking teachers union. There's oh, I mean... all of it. And yes, it's just as goddamn corrupt as the rest of them. So to show that he's, you know, he's big bad man, he goes into a bar uh, where the owner had machines that were being serviced. They're being serviced by non-union repairmen, which that is unacceptable. 
So after trying to explain to this, the owner of the bar, who is a recent immigrant from Italy, um, trying to tell him, you know, the U.S. has unions to handle this stuff. You call them. They can pick it up. They fix it. They bring it back to you. You don't have to worry about finding a, an outside source to do it. We'll do it for you. Of course. Um, so Nardi then produces a blackjack and explains to him one more time how unions work. Um, and the guy said, no, 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 that's okay. And he beat the shit out of him. So fun story. The, uh, the bar's owner, uh, his wife was an Irish American woman who just so happened to be the cousin of a police officer. Okay. In Cleveland. So he took the story to, uh, to the guy, um, and the officer was like, okay, well this seems a little out of my league. I'm going to run it up to the, I'm, nah. I'm going to run it up the flagpole because there's a guy local that's better at handling shit like this. And that's Elliot fucking Ness. We, ha- we, we will definitely be doing an Elliot Ness episode at some point because he was a bad motherfucker. So Elliot Ness kind of has taken down some of the most important gangsters in the area. And fucking this nardy guy, you know, he's he's nobody. But he in the, wanted yeah, to... In the Midwest, yeah. Yeah. Because he took down Al Capone. Yeah. Exactly. Al Capone, fucking a um, couple of other big names that were with Capone. He he didn't care. He was going to whoop Nardi's ass just on principle of him being a gangster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so much to his surprise, Ness, within a few days of, uh, of bringing Nardi in and actually having him put in jail, um, was there as Nardi was being cut loose with no criminal charges. <clears throat> so this was kind of one of the last two straws that kind of broke the camel's back when it came to Elliot Ness's career. And they both took place in Cleveland because you had this yeah. and the Cleveland torso murders yeah. that he couldn't solve those. And then all this shit's going on. And he just went, fuck it. I'm done. I quit. So this was one of the last cases that he worked was this guy. Um, so after a career of seeing just bullshit release, you know, whatever, uh, so uh, fuck I should I just said all that without actually reading it um so after after the whole debacle there he left town went back to went to Washington DC did some stuff there and he died not too long after that so he he had had a, a fantastic career but this was just the last like seeing how corrupt shit was he was just like Mm -hmm. I'm done I'm sick of this shit you know I'm sick of it I can't do this anymore if I'm the only one that's not dirty yeah, you know, and he was for the most part. So I mean, if if, if uh, the Untouchables was anything to believe, you know, if that was based off of any kind of truth, you know, you see that corruption. So, to me, the old timey like G Men were a lot like. Well, I'm not talking about G Men. I'm talking about like the cops and stuff. How he, you know, if that if the Untouchables was anything to be believed. The cops in Chicago were were corrupt, were as, corrupt as a motherfucker. Yeah, and the G-man, you know, Ness, kind of had to figure out something to work around that corruption. Right. But where, where I was going with that is like the old time G-men, kind of at they, they kind of are in the same ballpark as like old west law enforcement, where you have to be almost as dirty as the guys you're after. To be able to get to them. Yeah. You know? 
It's like there's a fine line between being a good guy and being a bad guy, and you have to be very good at walking that line was, to get the bad guys. What was uh, Sean Connery's line in the movie? If they're going to uh, bust one kneecap, you got to bust like five or yeah. whatever the fuck the line was, you know. Put basic... one of ours in the hospital, we put one of yours in the morgue. Yeah. That was the Godfather, but yeah. The one I just used was. Yeah. The, Look what it was... they did to my boy. Yeah, but there's like the, killed he... the second most second most useless Corleone brother. Sonny was a shitbag. He wasn't useless though. He was a shitbag. No, Fredo was a shitbag. Michael no. was the only good one. Fredo was a shitbag, definitely for sure. He was a puss. But Sonny, uh, he was he wasn't a shitbag. I mean, I mean, look what the fuck he did with his sister. You know, the fucking guy beat the shit out of his sister. No, he's I'm, like, I, he's like, you fucking touched my sister. I told you. I'm saying, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm putting him in the category of shitbag for the point that he was basically useless. No, he wasn't. He what? No, <sighs> no. What did he do? He was gonna he. He didn't get to basically get off the ground. I mean, you know, he tried to help his his pop, you know, and, you know, I mean. Michael was, was the only good one. Yeah, but That's he why was he like, was. Yeah, but he he knew that, like, if, if he went to the meeting, you know, or went to that meeting where, like, hey, you know, you got to go to the meeting or whatever. And he's like, no, I don't. Take my shitter pistol. You know, Michael was like, <laughs> okay, I'll go. You know, but I mean, they all knew that because the reason why Sonny got taken out was because they knew that Sonny set it up. So they fucking whacked Sonny. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, he he wasn't important, though. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't important to the story because he was the, like, Michael is the main fucking character for the most part. You have to kill that one. So you're like, eh, whatever. And Fredo was was just a piece of shit. Michael was the baby. Fredo was a piece of shit, a little worm. Because Fredo was. Look uh, at the flowers, Fredo. <laughs> Fredo was what middle child, middle. Well, he wasn't the baby. Michael wasn't the baby. He was, I don't know. The daughter was the baby. Was, they don't count. Women in mafia movies don't count. It's true. Like a fucking uh, Karen Hill. Like what she do? She got slapped around a bunch. But pull a knife on me in my own house. <laughs> a gun. Sorry. <laughs> Goodfellas is a great fucking movie. I want to go to Italian prison. Like watching that guy slice garlic with a fucking the razor blade. Hey, according to... But according to my, my genealogy, I have to go to, like, partially Spanish prison, which sounds awful. Cool. Like, you'd get diarrhea. But I don't know. According to, like, uh, um, some of the um, the stuff on... If you watch uh, any of those, like, uh, ghost shows or whatever, they'll, like, they'll have uh, stuff with um, uh, Capone and whatever. He was in prison... They're like different places, and they were talking about how you know he had this or this in yeah. prison, and I mean, but like not to that extent. He was set up. No, I'm I'm saying like not to the extent like it was in the movie where he basically had a penthouse suite in the prison. No, he did. What I'm saying is that's not accurate for that time frame for Goodfellas, like in the the 70s and 80s. You know, it's just that it was not how it worked. No, but I'm no, saying... No, back to, when Capone was in jail, yes, because he owned everybody in the prison. Well, yeah. You know? So we'll jump back to 1964. Danny Green, at this point, is at the top, on top of his game. Like, this is where... Another show that I, I listen to, Crime and Sports, here's where they would call Grace. Like, because he's, he's fucking top dog, he's doing this, he's got everything going for him, and he can only go one direction from here. 
mm-hmm. and it's not further up. It's down. Exactly. So one of the guys that was close to Danny would tell uh, Rick Perello in an interview. So remember the name Rick Perello. It's going to come up a few more times. Quote, he'd bring four or five of us to the theatrical and pick up the check. He had portraits of the, all the officers that he put in nice frames. He'd attend district conferences in Detroit or Milwaukee, and he bought himself a green caddy. Fucking shocker. Uh, all paid for by the local. Mm-hmm. So all of this money that his union's making, he's just fucking spending it on whatever he wants. Yeah. Because, you know, it's his money, right? So with all this money going out, obviously, Danny needs to have some coming back in. So he had a good scheme set up for just such an occasion with a unexpected partner, we'll say. He arranged a deal with, he arranged a deal with uh, Sherwin-Williams and the International Milling Company, known for making uh, super expensive paint and uh, paper products, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, like international paper, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Sherwin-Williams, you know, they got the weird-ass logo covering the world in this red paint. And mm-hmm. Fucking eat my balls, fucking $55 a gallon. Fuck you, I'll go to Home Depot, thanks. Expensive fucks. Um, so basically, this deal was to have all of their ingredients, components, whatever, loaded and unloaded by his ILA guys on the Ohio docks. Because a lot of that, a lot of the components came from the surrounding area, and they would go into Ohio because that's where Sherwin-Williams was based out of at the time. Okay. So everything went through Danny. Danny pocketed, quote, a finder's fee of $25,000, and the SW and IMC, which was the, the corporation name, would pay the salaries of the longshoremen for the loading and unloading. So they're paying these guys that are already being paid, and then Danny's taking a cut of their pay also. So Danny's about to meet another man that would become very important to his future, which is uh, FBI agent Martin McCann. And uh, McCann called him to a meeting at a little Irish pub out in Akron. Um, Nothing important has ever happened in Akron, Ohio. I'm pretty confident. LeBron James, he's a flop artist. He can eat dicks. Michael Jordan's better. Um, So when he gets there, Danny kind of sits in his car and scopes the place out for a while. Because when you're in the situation that he's in, and you get a phone call from some guy, and the first things that are out of his mouth are, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so with the FBI. You kind of watch your back. Because illegal shit and the government... Don't mix unless it's the government doing illegal shit. Yeah. Then it's fine. So he sat in his car for like 15, 20 minutes and just scoped the place out. He could see him through the window. Well, it means fine until the government gets caught doing yeah. illegal shit. Who stops him then? Nobody. The government stops themselves. Mm. Yeah. Randy Weaver. Yeah. We're going to. Hey, how would. Hey, how. You know, you don't know that I'm an undercover ATF agent. How would you feel about sawing this shotgun barrel down a half an inch too short so I can make it a felony, and then I can kill your wife, your dog, and you know, shoot a bunch of your family? Sounds good? Sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> Ruby Ridge was a fucking joke. Um, so he, he watched this guy for a while because he kind of knew. Cause obviously, he's got people. He knows what this guy looks like. He's yeah, got, yeah. you know. So he makes sure that he's by himself. He sits there for a while and makes sure that he is only one there by himself. Yep. So then he kind of, he, oh, he heads in and he finds McCann and sits down and they just start drinking, making some small talk about, you know, obviously their shared Irishness because that's now, the most common thing that we're, they're going to talk about. No. Okay. I got to stop you. Yes. Yeah. 
question just popped in my brain and I had to uh, uh, you I think you should probably know this but you know with this so far is he, he ha- hasn't because we haven't talked about this he hasn't made it onto the radar of the FBI at this point for his shenanigans that's kind of why he's here now okay okay, okay. I'm sorry I jumped oh, the no, gun no, no you're not, not jumping uh-huh. the gun at all because that's why he has been contacted is because they're like so you're doing some shady shit, but you know, so the, the, the meeting, the meaning, the meaning of the meeting finally comes out and McCann just basically says, I didn't tell you this before, but I'm part of the organized crime division with the FBI. Um, and if you have any information that you're willing to part with on your Mediterranean friends, we'll pay you for it. So this is where Danny Green becomes a rat for the FBI because uh, right about here, he makes it very, very clear that he wants nothing to do with putting Irish criminals in jail. Um, He says, you find out what you can about men like John Scalish, who was the, the mobster Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. Cleveland. He was the fucking boss. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll look the other way when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the petty stuff that's going on at the docks with uh, with you and your local union. You see, Danny sees this as a win-win, okay? FBI was going to leave him alone. They might take a couple Italians off the board. Win-win. Everybody's happy, except for the Italians. Um, so a big driving force behind this whole mission that's going on here is uh, FBI director and fishnet enthusiast J. Edgar Hoover. Um, and he wanted to put as much of the, quote, Italian mafia in prison as possible. He didn't give a fuck if the Irish were doing illegal shit, too. He wanted the Italians in jail because they've been the problem for the longest. <clears throat> Hoover's still in. Yeah, Hoover was still the FBI director at this point in, the, in 64. Okay. And yes, he was probably in pantyhose and uh, heels old, while he put the order out. Old man at this yeah. point. Doesn't matter. A kink is a kink. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's pretty much an old. Yeah, he's got to be in his uh, late fifties, early sixties at this point. I would think. Well, Something yeah. close, because. Well, let's find out. Because. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Who the fuck is J. Cole? Ugh. Okay. What? I'm assuming I, I punched in one was Jay and I get Jay Cole born. I'm, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Okay. I'm, he was born. Oh, Jesus. He was born in 1895. So yeah, he's, yeah, old. he's an old fella at this point, but you know, he's still just out there rocking his fucking, uh, his pumps or whatever. Cause so he's, yeah. he's, uh, 70, 70, yeah. 70, 69. Yeah. We'll call it 69. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> well, because I mean, you know, sixty-four add five more years. Never mind. <laughs> so sixty-nine. So how this whole thing is going to work is Danny's going to keep up his routine. He's going to keep hanging out in the bars and nightclubs, rubbing elbows with the Cleveland's Italian underworld, and McCann would let him know when any kind of investigation was headed his way in the docks. Um, any FBI involvement, like like talking, where Danny Green was the subject of the talk. Um, he would be referred to as Mr. Patrick, which was, of course, Danny's suggestion because of, you know, St. Patrick and, you know, the, uh, 
<laughs> gonna come as a surprise. The Italian priest uh, of Irish mythology. So I wonder if he realized that St. Patrick was actually Italian. That probably would have pissed him right off. I'm sorry, my, my brain kind of went to something else. I was just thinking back to Hoover. The tism kicked in. It's fine. It happens to all of us. <laughs> the Hoover was, Hoover's boss at the time was the fucking King Corruption himself. Probably had, you know, his, his uh, president whacked. Well, Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, yeah. No, he was a <laughs> giant heap of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wait, wasn't he president? Yeah, he was president at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, 64 because JFK was killed in 63. Okay. Yeah, he, he took over. Yeah. Then he got us right square into Vietnam, too, because fucking why not? Well, yeah. You know, it was the plan all along. Well, because, I mean, those fucking, you know, those goddamn French couldn't do the job, so. So we had to send American boys to die in the jungle on the other side of the world. Well, yeah. I mean. Full metal jacket. It's just how it goes. <laughs> Wanted to be the first boy on my block to go to a foreign land. Meet the people and kill someone. <laughs> uh, so things are starting to, you know, things are really looking good here. Danny's in a great spot, right? Yeah. And the name from last week resurfaces, just fucking rears his ugly Scandinavian head of sorts. Sigvald Refnes, our buddy from last week, our fucking one-legged Dutchman or whatever the fuck he is. Um, so he comes back into the picture. He's hearing a lot of talk from uh, unemployed longshoremen, probably hanging out at the bar and, you know, shooting the shit with boys that he used to work with. And uh-huh. they didn't like him, but they were, they'd still talk to him. And uh, he starts hearing about the scams and, scre- you know, scams and schemes of Danny Green. Uh-huh. Turns out Sigvald's wife, uh, Faith Corrigan, was a journalist for The Plain Dealer, which was a pretty good-sized newspaper outlet in cleveland okay so she writes a letter to her editor that would end up making its way into the book kill the irishman that rick perello wrote um and the letter goes something like this on the docks here in cleveland which warrant investigation a company called best labor services inc with offices at 3030 woodland avenue supplies longshoremen to the stevedore companies the men are hired daily since the requirements for their services are according to work. 21 day, 50 the next, so on and so forth. They're paid by the stevedoring firms, uh, the regular longshoreman's rate, which I believe to be close to $3 an hour, which was good money back then. Good three bucks an hour in the, in the early 60s, not too shabby. Mm. Um, well, you could feed your family. I mean, right. that wasn't, you know, you could feed your family off of that. Yeah. However, the checks are delivered by an agent of best labor, which is entitled to cash them. The workers get $1.25 an hour, of which $0.17 is charged to labor. So they make a little less than half of what they're supposed to be making, and then you knock another $0.17 off as a labor charge for cashing the check. Uh. So these guys are getting fucked. Yeah. And Danny is the one just sweating behind him, dick in hand. About ready to do it. And, you know, the funny thing is about price, you know, uh, price per hour, you know, payment per hour. 64 to when I started working in 96, 97. Fucking, it only went up by like 
little over two bucks because I was making five something an hour. My first paycheck, I made six seventy three an hour, which was minimum a minimum wage. But now minimum wage in our wonderful state is what almost fourteen an hour, something like that. Because you have to have that to be able to not fucking die here. Because this state sucks you ass. Can't, you're, you're still fucking going to the, going. No, you're not surviving off of fourteen dollars. No, an but hour. they don't. They you know. Because you you, you fourteen dollars an hour, you're gonna go fucking, uh, you're gonna go get stuff at the food shelter and yeah. you know food you know all that stuff because you can't fucking make it. You yeah. know, I mean, I almost had to because. But then you've got states down south where you can make fourteen bucks an hour and you're fine. You know, to fine. You know, you you might not have like extra money to you know, you know, hop on Patreon.com and go to Dark Windows Podcast and give us five dollars a month, but you're doing Whoa, all right. Good plug. You know. <laughs> so to finish out the quote here, the rest goes to best labor. The workers are mostly Negroes, uh, many illiterate and and uh, falling under the category of quote moving meat. Ugh. Um, they have no idea how much money they are really entitled to and that the papers they sign give best labor the right to an exor- uh, to an exorbitant fee. Cleveland Stevedore has a uh, has a contract with the union to get all the labor through the union and the rumor on the docks is that Danny Green, the ILA head, is behind best labor service since the workers are union members. On the books, Green gets paid $6,000 a year salary from the union, but he drives a brand new Cadillac automobile and displays other materials, uh, material forms of his wealth. Well, $6,000 a fucking year. Not shabby. I hear the Cleveland Stevedore company is beginning to supply the men with their check stubs so that they know just how much they make. This needs confirmation. The hourly scales for longshoremen is $2.68 an hour. By contracting with the ILA, labor, uh, laborers must be hired through the union, which means calling Danny Green each evening. Men from the best union outfit show up for the jobs, while the union uh, while the union hall has men sitting around waiting for the jobs. The only way the best labor outfit could learn about the jobs is through Danny Green. You will be supp- uh, you'll be supplied with a list of laborers involved next week. So, in other words, basically, Danny is getting a heads up the night before who's showing up for work. Yeah, and he's gonna pick the ones. That he can take advantage of the easiest. Yep. And those are the guys that are working and not really getting paid. You know? So this guy, (laughs) he's a piece of shit. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. He's a piece of shit. Uh, True. The editor sent another report. uh, I'm sorry. The editor sent another reporter to the docks to look into these claims. uh, A man by the name of Sam Marshall. He would spend hours on the docks questioning workers. Uh, a lot of them would just kind of stare at him. Other guys would basically just straight up tell him, fuck you, leave me alone, I'm trying to work. But there were a few that would that would kind of sit down and talk to him. Um, one of them says this, He's got us by the short and curlies. If we don't do what Danny told us, uh, we might as well be invisible. Some of us work on the grain ships for no pay, and uh, if we get... And if we get upset about it, we don't get rehired. So Marshall decides to just kind of man up and go talk to Danny himself. And uh, Danny went fucking ballistic when this reporter shows up at his office. Um, He tells Marshall, quote, 
This is the work of the Italians that are disgruntled union men with an axe to grind, and they're making stuff up to my detriment. Of course, is the Italians. Yeah. Of Could course. you imagine if he was blaming this on black people? Holy shit. Like, nowadays, he would have been fucking canceled and then, like, strung up on a goddamn light pole. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Fucking dead meat. Just uh, swinging there. So, I think we'll take our break here. I'll come back and finish off this fucking installment of the Danny Green saga. So, Marshall published the story, and Agent McCann and Danny were equally pissed off when they both read it the following day. Federal attorney, uh, attorneys, Jesus, they didn't send interns. No. No, they were too busy fucking the president. Um, <laughs> federal attorneys started well, a... Uh, I don't think they were fucking the current president then. Oh, you're trying to tell me Lyndon B. Johnson with his goddamn bonobo nose wasn't attractive to young people? I don't think I'm so. pretty sure every president in the history of ever has fucked an intern at least once. Only one of them did it with a cigar, as far as we know. George Bush Jr. just fucked the entire country instead. <laughs> Generations of them. You know. And the Forever War kind of did that, you know. 20 years. You know, yeah, shit goes. happens. Yeah. Hey. Then the next one just bombed a bunch of fucking weddings in countries weren't involved in. Then the next one was just kind of an idiot, and now the, this one's just got dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. Yeah. He likes ice cream cones, though. Seen the pictures. Yeah. Fucking loves ice cream. Can't ride a bike to save his life, though. Whatever. Fell right off of that son of a bitch. It happens. Also kept fucking classified documents in the garage next to his car. And that's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Whatever. They're in my garage with my car. But, you know, when... Hey. <laughs> then our former vice president fucking had documents and... Yeah. They all take they all take classified shit. They all fucking do it. They all have. Yeah. I mean... And it's only become a, a, a It all fucking... started with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, then she... So, the, so they were... She started the trend. I can hear them. They're on the roof. I Stop know. it. <laughs> <laughs> she started the trend, and everybody was like, oh, my God, I want to be like Hillary. Yay! Ugh, fucking pantsuits and killing people. What a scumbag. Um, hey. Watch out. Um, okay. They might come after you. Yeah, they probably will. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the Clinton administration assassins have more pe- more important people to kill than me, so I mean I'm not worried about it. You never know. But <clears throat> anyway, back uh, to Mr. Green and his uh, worrisome uh, woes of uh, yeah because his shit just got uh, you know put out to yeah put out to the public that uh, he's a scumbag. Well, at this point in time, it's all speculation that he's a scumbag, right? So, federal attorneys start a full-blown investigation into the docs, and more importantly, the head of the 1317, uh, Danny Green, obviously, and Thomas Gleason, who is the national president of the ILA. He is not involved with this at all, okay? And he catches wind of this and lost his fucking mind. The September 15th, 1961 edition of the Toledo Blade had a snippet involving uh, Gleason. Thomas Gleason said last night in nineteen in, in New York that he ordered an inquiry after reading published uh, reports of some complaints by members of the Longshoremen's Local thirteen seventeen, and they were forced to that they I'm sorry that they were forced to contribute to the union's uh, building fund. 
Mr. Gleason also said he received a petition signed by 92 local uh, 1317 members demanding that their union be placed in trusteeship immediately so that we can hold a, quote, free election for the leadership of our choice. These are the guys that a couple of years ago voted for Danny Green to take over as the head of the union, the the head of the, the local. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, we fucked up. We fucked up big time. Um, the descendant union members also asked Mr. Gleason to handle the investigation of union funds and to make an accounting of money of money. Members were allegedly pressured into giving the union by working without pay on grain, uh, on grain unloading jobs. Daniel Green, local president, has denied any member was forced to contribute to the building fund and said donations were voluntary, including, you know, the, the tickets for the raffle that if you don't give me the money for them, I'm going to send my boys out and they're going to smash your feet. I mean, that's that's yeah. voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> it's voluntary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like voluntold, but whatever. He blamed the uh, the uh, he blamed the contribute to the building. Uh, oh, he blamed the investigation on descent. Uh, descendant members of the union opposed to take uh, to the takeover of the union in 1961. Sons of bitches! They fucking had it out for me since fucking day right. one. Yeah, bastards. motherfuckers, goddamn Italians. It's all them. Even though it's the <laughs> the black guys that you're treating like dog shit, and the the fucking dumb white dudes that can't read. You know, you're, you're treating them all like shit. Stop. But, you know, it's the Italians. It's all their fault. <laughs> fucking Italian world order. You know it. You know. You gotta blame big Italy, <laughs> blame big Italy for this one. You fucking goddamn bastards! So now the government is clearly onto him. He gets served a subpoena to bring all of his financial records for the thir- uh, for the thirteen seventeen to a meeting, and not long into this investigation, it's pretty obvious that he has done exactly the opposite of that. He's only brought some stuff. I'm, I'm I, I picture him like. Showing up to this meeting with like a fucking shoebox full of receipts, you know, like he's just some bum getting fucking audited by the IRS. He's like, no, this one's for gas. This one's for potato chips. Uh, this one's for a car payment that I, I lost the rest. Yeah, I don't know what the rest of them are. <laughs> My dog ate him. Yeah. So uh, the investig uh, the investigators got a warrant and they raided his home and his office and they found some paperwork that Danny had forgotten to bring with him. Slipped his mind, you know. They were in the in the garage next to his car. Locked up, though. You know. But, uh... uh so, it, it's... It seems that he, himself, may have forgotten to pay contributions to the welfare system. And it also seems like he maybe forgot to pay his taxes a little bit. You know, oh. You know, uh, just slightly, slightly forgot to pay his taxes. They also found something a little odd. That, you know, during the renovation of the headquarters, Danny had a series of microphones hidden in the walls and ceilings. No room was off limits. Um, they were in the hallways, the lunchroom, the break room where guys are drinking coffee, the bathroom where guys are taking shit. And they were all linked back to a hidden tape recorder in his office that was in a hidden panel right next to the JFK bust uh-huh. that we talked about last week. Um they opened up this panel and they found a, a, a tape recorder and just fucking stacks of cassettes or whatever they were using. I think it was cassettes at that point. I, I don't think he could record onto an eight track, but just cassettes and fucking piles of recordings. Well, 
not at that point. They didn't have cassettes. They had uh, reel to reel or something. I don't know. But yeah, they they found piles of them, of just recordings of people yeah. in just talking, which is why it seemed like when these guys would come to ask him a question, it was like he was a goddamn psychic. Like you just read their mind because he was listening to everything that was being said in the building. So he also went to visit his attorney's office, trying to you know square away the heaps of evidence. When uh, a car crept slowly past his home in, uh, home in the Cleveland suburb of Willoughby, and uh, a pair of gunmen opened fire on his house. Dozens of rounds punched through the siding and windows, ripping the house apart. His wife and two daughters were inside when this happened. But thankfully, they were unharmed. Um, so, message sent, message received, kind of, maybe, you know. So after this incident, he would resign from the local 1317... Uh, on September 13th, um, which was also the day after. It was like, so it was the day after he was suspended from participating in any union activities. So he kind of was already out, but now he is officially, he's made it official that he's out. Yeah. Um, the legal system kind of did its thing, make the process as slow and convoluted as possible. Two years later, Danny Green would be convicted on three counts of embezzlement and two of falsifying records. Here's the thing, though. This was Danny's first criminal offense, so his five-year sentence is suspended. Doesn't spend a goddamn day in jail. Yeah. Okay. It's his it makes... first, cause he was a bad boy. This is the first time, though. Yeah. You know? Of course. But he's also banned from any union-related activities. Ooh. Within a few days of being ousted by the union, he starts a company called uh, Emerald Industrial Relations. Pay attention to this, though. Okay. He specialized in, quote, protecting against union discord, supply problems, and work stoppages. So basically, he made a company of strike breakers. So you got work stoppages? I got some guys that'll come in and unstoppage the work. So the new form of Pinkertons. No, this was basically I own thugs that will come in and beat the shit out of guys until they get back to work. Pinkertons. No, the Pinkertons were law enforcement. This... No, no, they were hired guns. Uh, yes, at the very beginning, that's true. They were hired guns. Yeah. They were fucking, well. They were strike breakers. Yeah. But this, but then they turned into well, in, in, semi-legitimate in, in, law enforcement. Well, well they were... Strike breakers, but they were also, because uh, the union back then, when they first started, was not fucking light. So no. they were like, you know, fuck you. You're trying to start a union? But they also weren't corrupt like they are at this point. I don't know about they that. They weren't as corrupt, we should yeah. say. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, he, he would do all of this stuff for a price, obviously, you know? Uh, well, of course. So he's got no money in his accounts because they were all frozen by the Fed. So he's in need of some startup capital for this whole thing. He goes into business with Frank, Uncle Frank Brancato, who himself is a former stevedore, former dock worker. And more importantly, he's in tight with John Scalish, who is the godfather of Cleveland. So he's, I, I don't know if he actually would have had a rank, but if he said something to John, it was at least listened to. Okay. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it into consideration and you just never forget it. You never think about it again. His his word carried weight with John. Yeah. You know? Um, so Danny's first client for this new little business venture 
is the Cleveland Solid Waste Trade Guild, which is a super churched up way to say the trash union, uh, trash collectors union. These are the dudes picking up your garbage, running dump trucks, garbage trucks, all that stuff. So at the meeting with the higher-ups of the union, which he wasn't supposed to be involved with, obviously, he tells the members, quote, If others don't join us, we'll follow their trucks and take away their stops. Offer to pick up for less, take away their business at the cheapest price, and knock them out of the box. There are a lot of ways we can do this, and then we'll split up all the stops and give it to the, uh, to the guild members. By 1964... Danny's gotten in with an old-time Jewish mobster by the name of Shandor Burns, also. From the very little that I read about this guy, we could also cover him at some point, because he did some weird shit. Because um, a lot of people, when they, they... A lot of people don't realize that the Jewish mafia was a thing, and they were fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, Murder, Inc. was the Jewish mafia. Yeah. They were nasty. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't fuck around. No. You know. Um, we, so, talk, we talked about uh, a couple of them. A couple remember? of them, yeah. But there, there's a lot of them well, that we, we have. Well, I'm sorry. We didn't talk about them. We mentioned them. Right. I'm sorry. You know, let's, let's uh, let, I don't know, set the set record straight. Right. You know, I didn't actually, like, go into detail about those fucks because I think we said we were going to have to go into detail yeah. on those fucking sadistic bastards these are the dudes that if they hadn't left you know the old country when hitler took over they'd have fucked him up because they would have organized they would have armed and they wouldn't have taken shit from nobody they would they have probably died yeah would they have well, taken a bunch of nazis with them well yep. if their parents hadn't because they were born here still still um, they they had the acumen and mentality to do that exactly They'd have been like, nah, 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 nah. We're not going to fuck this guy and his stupid mustache. Yeah. You know? Um, so they spent a lot of time hanging out at the theatrical bar. Burns, for the most part, saw a lot of himself as a younger man in Danny Green. He's smart. He's formidable. He's tough. He can hold his own. Doesn't take shit from anybody. He sees a lot of himself there. Mm -hmm. So Burns, try, uh, Burns turned some of his business ventures over to Danny. Um, mostly in the black neighborhoods, collecting money and then putting it back out into the streets, you know, loan sharking. We, we've been over loan sharking a time or two yeah. with the Westies. Um, so he started making really, really good money, uh, money, considering what he's getting and then putting back out. He's putting out between 5 and 25% interest. Hmm. 25% is fucking unheard of when it comes to loan sharking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of money that if you don't get it back, they don't send a guy over to slap you around. They send a guy over to kill you. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of money. Um, so in 1967, Burns gets hemmed up for bribing a police officer. Um, keep in mind, he's in his 50s at this point. So he's he's an old man in the young man's game. Yeah. Um, then that police officer also showed up to be the chief witness against him in court for the case. Um, so aside from that, the IRS also kind of DP'd him here with the charges of quote, underreporting assets. Um, basically anytime you're associated with the mafia, the IRS is going to come in and be like, well, you didn't pay us. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. which the IRS should be fucking dissolved. All of them individually in vats of acid. Yeah. <laughs> Scumbags. Um, so instead of trying to fight the charges, cause he knew he, he's not going anywhere. He's fucked. He's done. 
So he just pleads guilty and he's sent off to the Atlanta federal prison on tax evasion. Um, and this left all of Burns holdings for loan sharking and all that stuff to Danny. Yeah. So he's just like, Oh shit, I'm going to be making some money here. So 1971 Burns somehow makes parole on his first attempt. I wonder how that happened. Um, I don't know. Uh, palms were greased. I would assume money changed hands. Listen, there's no proof of it. You know, and I'm not saying that because he's Jewish. I'm saying that because he's in the mafia. Okay. Before anybody goes, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's because he's in the mafia. I wasn't saying. No, but other people would go, wait, well, you're trying to say Jewish people bribe people. No, people in the fucking mafia bribe people. People in fucking in that world. It do. doesn't matter what color mafia or fucking no. re- religious mafia you're oh, in. Fuck no. People get bribed. Yeah. You know. Of except, course. except maybe the Yakuza, I think they may just kill you instead. Or the Triad, they might just kill you. Nah, they still bribe you. Yeah, probably. I think they're still... I don't know them. enough about the uh, like Asian organized crime, but I want to learn more about it. Because they're fucking scary. You've got to watch... There's a show... There was a couple episodes of uh, Gangland on... Uh, one of the guys, uh, uh, head of a Triad in San Francisco. and you got to watch... Uh, fuck. There's a, there's a show on uh, HBO Max... Uh, that has to deal with kind of like the beginnings of triad-ish. Uh, it's um, like there's like Chinese groups or whatever. Yep. Tongs. That uh, they're like trying to get control. I think it's from San Francisco. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like yeah. Th- the racism in, I mean, in, in there is fucking like oh, yeah. brutal. Yeah. Like it's not only racism between. Whites and oh, no, Chinese. It's also Chinese and Chinese. Yeah. You you want to see people be racist? Put them in a group of their own people. For reals. Because, like, well, black people can't be racist to black people. Have you ever heard black people, like, like, darker-toned black people talk about light-skinned black people? They are fucking awful. It's the prejudice is real. Yeah, and then you get, like, the Chinese and the Japanese, which they, you know... <laughs> fucking traditionally have not gotten along. You put them together... They don't like each other. No. Then you mix the Koreans in who don't like fucking either one of them. And then you have the highest class of Korean, which is the roof Korean. And they are to be held with esteem because the roof Koreans are fantastic. The LA riots, like these are the dudes that went up there with like fucking mini 14s <laughs> and cartons of cigarettes. They're like, oh no, you ain't robbing my store, motherfucker. And they're just like shooting at people. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, roof Koreans are the best Americans that have ever been made. Uh-huh. You know, they came here as immigrants. They did everything the right way. Good people. Good people. Hey. We should all be roof Koreans inside a little bit. Okay. Especially in trying times that we're going to be coming into, I think, in our country. We should all have a little roof Korean in us. Okay. You know, whether you be white, black, Hispanic, possibly even Korean, we should all have a little roof Korean in us. Just throwing that out there. Be the best you can be. 1971, again, Burns makes parole, ends up back in Cleveland, surprisingly. Why the fuck wouldn't he go home? Um, So in between parole meetings, he makes his way back down to the theatrical for beers and shit wherever he can. And he meets back up with Danny Green. They reconnect. And uh, they're always talking business. They're never never just shooting the shit, having fun. They sit down to talk. It's all business. Yeah. Um, And one of these talks found Burns telling Danny that there was a customer that wasn't paying up. And a message needs to be sent. And he thinks Danny's the guy to do it. He tells him, you know, I don't want him dead. So fucking leave your hands at home. Don't shoot him. None of that. I got a guy you're going to go talk to. 
And this guy he goes and talks to hands him a goddamn bomb. A live, active bomb. Like an old cartoony bomb that all you have to do is light the fucking fuse on and throw it. Okay. So Danny is Danny parks his car about a block down the road from the Target's house. He's got this bomb sitting on the bench seat next to him in his caddy. Um, he has absolutely no experience whatsoever with explosives. Even though he did sp- spend time in the Marine Corps. But that was more uh, shooting guns and fighting people, you know, boxing, stuff like that. So he's not real comfortable with the idea of explosives. So he readies himself, starts the car, starts driving along down the road, steps on the gas to pick up some speed. Game plan here is to light the fuse and just hurl it out the window at the guy's house. If it lands on his lawn and blows, you know, blows his fucking uh, Kentucky bluegrass hybrid off, he's going to be pissed because now he's got to shit them all around. Uh If it hits his house and blows the siding off, good, fuck him. Because we got a union for that. Uh-huh. Um, what we don't have a union for is uh, <laughs> is the fact that Dandy didn't realize that the fuse is going to burn as quickly as it was going to. Uh-huh. So as he's driving, he lights the fuse, and it just starts taking off on him. And uh, he decides, shit, i got to get this thing out of the car before I kill myself. So he tosses it towards the open passenger side window where it promptly bounces off the inner frame of the car, bounces off the seat, and lands directly in Danny's crotch. (laughs) Okay. So he's now wrestling with the bomb and the door handle at the same time. And just in the nick of time, I don't think you could have fucking timed it any better for a movie. He opens the door, falls out, rolls away from the car, and the bomb rolls back in and goes off. So he's next to the car when this thing goes off, the concussion of the blast ruptures his right eardrum, which will affect his hearing for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he is covered in road rash and scrapes and fucking burns and shit. And uh, when the police arrive, because, you know, there's just a, a car exploded in a residential area, which not fucking real common in Cleveland at that point in time. Probably still not, I wouldn't imagine. This isn't Columbia. Um, so the police arrive and... Uh, <laughs> Danny tells him that he is, in fact, the victim of a drive-by car bombing. Yes, a oh. drive-by car bombing. Someone drove by like a goddamn Looney Tunes character and just tossed a bomb into his car. Fucking kids. You know, um, and then he tells the police, of course, the only thing that saved his life was the luck of the Irish. Oh, oh because of course, of course. We got to tell everybody how goddamn Irish we are. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Fucking white people, I'm telling you. His horseshoe was, you know... Yeah, he's got a horseshoe kick right up his ass, you know? Yeah. So, after almost blowing himself up, that doesn't stop him. He continues with the union. um, And, uh... He gets back in with Frank Brancato. Brancato brought him in and, uh... Makes him responsible for bringing in new union members of this trash collector's guild. Okay. And he'd also bring in a guy named Art Sneppinger, who was to basically be Danny's right-hand man in this whole thing. Okay? Uh-huh. So whenever new members refused to join, Danny would send Art out to deal with them. You know, we're going to use your words first. We're going to go out and talk to him. You know? Like, listen, maybe it is for the best that you join this union. And uh, when they would refuse, he would just wait till everybody was gone. He'd sneak back at night and he'd blow their trucks up. 
Okay. So, in one case, a guy named Mike Fra- uh, Mike Frado, uh, he joins this union. This guy is a father of 14 kids with three different wives. But from what everybody has said, generally a good-spirited guy. Nobody had a bad thing to say about this guy. And he likes to fuck. Dude, he, he, he couldn't pull out of a driveway. No. 14 kids. You know, it, if he wasn't... If he wasn't so clearly Catholic, I would say he was a Mormon. But, uh, you know, that's not how that works. Wow. So he's in the union for a little while until guys like Danny Green get involved, at which point he leaves and, you know, he would later tell a reporter, the guild was a beautiful thing at first, but then the wrong people took control and I didn't need that anymore. Makes sense. I don't want to, you don't need to be involved with this bullshit. Get out. Yeah. Um... So this is a terrible fucking idea telling a newspaper reporter this. So Danny sent his personal bomber out to take care of Frado, and uh, Sneppinger had really mixed feelings about this hit because he had become good. He had actually become friends with Mike because he's just that kind of guy where you can't not like him. Yeah. You know, even if you're not talking to him, you walk by and he's talking, shooting the shit, laughing, and he would just kind of like... You just, it would bring your mood up a little bit just walking by and hearing him talk to other people. Yeah. Good dude. So, <sighs> Sneppinger plants a bomb on the bottom of uh, a Big Mike's car one night. As he's walking back to his car, he has a change of heart. He returns and removes the explosives from the vehicle. <laughs> he then goes a step further and goes to a payphone, calls Mike and says, Hey, buddy, it's Art. Um, just want to let you know that I planted a bomb in your car, but I went back and took it off. Okay? We're good. Danny Green sent me out here to do this. So, <laughs> at this point in time, after he has opened his mouth, Art Sneppinger just goes, I'm probably dead, so I'm just, I'm done. So he leaves the guild. He's not going to leave Cleveland, though. But he does move into a new place and he leaves his wife and three kids on their own to fend for themselves because, you know, fuck him, pretty much. Well, um, I mean... Because he he knew that if, if he had ever gotten into another room with Danny Green, he's done. Yeah. He's, he's toast because he fucked up. Uh-huh. He didn't do what he was supposed to do and then he told the man he was supposed to kill who sent him to kill him. Yeah. Pretty bad idea. Pretty not smart move. No. Most definitely not a smart move but on the, his part. But the thing is, Danny wasn't really in any rush for payback. He's a very patient man. Well, that's that's nice of him. So within a few weeks of the bombing campaign starting, uh, our buddy from last week, Detective Kovacic, gets a tip that Sneppinger's his guy. So send some guys out. They find him. He's just walking down the street, smoking a cigarette, going to get a sandwich. Who the fuck knows? And they bring him Sipping back to the on station. Some gin juice. I don't know. I don't know if I. I think is, is still he think laid back. No, I still think drinking in public was frowned upon back then. Was his mind on his money? No, he didn't have any money. <laughs> money on he his mind. He fucked up, so he didn't have any money. Um, Sorry, I. I, I know you because you're old and you fucking know all the Snoop Dogg lyrics. Suck my ass. I do too, though. It's okay. Um, so brings so they bring him back to you know sit down have a little chat with the t- t- uh, with the. The <laughs> with the detective. Today, uh, Junior. 
Turns out Art Sneppinger was a better bomb builder and blower upper of things than he was a secret keeper Uh because he spilled his guts almost immediately to the detective. (laughs) All right, I did it. God damn it. Like from, from what they, from what I read, he asked the detective for a cigarette. He went out to the fucking cigarette machine in the police department because, yes, that was a goddamn thing. Yeah. Bought him a pack of smokes, brought him back in a, a book of matches, tossed him on the table, and he goes, okay, let's talk. Fucking rats Danny Green out for 20 cigarettes. Yeah. I remember fucking uh, cigarette machines. Dude, fucking JR's down here used to have one when I was a kid. Yeah. Because he used to buy Hermes oh, yeah. cigarettes while we were having breakfast. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to play with the machine, so he'd give me the money. I'd go over and put all the change in. Fucking... Hit his camel unfiltered and, yep. whew, man, those are fucking rough. Um, I remember those fucking things. So uh, he tells him all, everything that he knows of that Danny Green is involved in. All the stuff with the union, all the below board shit that's going on. And to the surprise of the detective, finds out that Danny's a rat for the FBI. Oh, Probably not something you should be telling people you work with, like, especially if you're in an illegal enterprise. Be like, ah, don't worry about it. I, uh, I'm a rat. Mm-hmm. Probably. You imagine if a fucking biker did that? Tell one of his buddies, like, no, 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 no. I'm working for the ATF. Don't worry. He, They would find him headless in the desert somewhere. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So the police turn him loose, and I'm not sure if they thought they could maybe get more out of him if they let him go back and Uh talk to Danny some more. Um, Or if they didn't want to show their hand that we've brought him in. So they let him go that same day after they got everything they could out of him. Then on October 31st of 1971, Danny calls Sneppinger to a meeting and he told him that he wanted the job done and he wanted it done right this time. He's like, you go kill big Mike and we're square. Fresh, you know, fresh start. Everything off the board, we're good. Yep. So aside from the trash hauling business, uh, Frado was also the co-owner of the Swans Gas Station in uh, the Coventry Village area of Cleveland. So at around 1 a.m. on November 1st, a massive explosion rocks the area of the gas station. No way. When the police arrived, they found a smoldering corpse under a bunch of heavy debris about 10 feet from the east side of the gas station. The body did not belong to Mike Fredo, Frado, Fredo, whatever the fuck it is, uh-huh. but it was that of Art Sneppinger. Um, it seems that he maybe had a bit of a slip up and kind of blew his payload prematurely. Uh. Um, it turns out that Mike wasn't even there when the bomb went off. There was somebody working there, but it wasn't Mike and they weren't hurt. Um. So during canvassing of the area, more than one person witnessed a Lincoln, a Kelly Green Lincoln to be exact, leaving the area of the explosion with a quickness not too long after it went off. So one of the theories here is that Danny supplied Art with the explosives, said, go do it. We'll get this squared away. We're all good. Uh huh. Let him go. So one of the theories, uh, that theory continues to go, he gave him a fake detonator, and then he just sat back and waited until he had everybody in place where he wanted them, and he drove by and hit the button, took Art out himself. So that's where we're going to end this week's installment of Danny Green, and uh, we're going to come back with his, 
well-earned demise, I'm going to say, because he's kind of an asshole. Huh. You know, we've talked about some assholes on here, and he's definitely one of them. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So that uh, that first little shooting at his house was the first attempt on his life. It wouldn't be the last. Yeah. But next week, I'm going to kind of... I want to just try to generalize it because there's so much information that I could do like eight parts on this, but we don't need to do that. Yeah. So I think we're just going to kind of vague out some more of the details and just talk about mostly the attempts that were made on his life and go from there. Okay. So um, having a lot of fun with this one though. Nice. I really, yeah. I, I, I it's interesting. Do. Yeah. Because it's a guy that started off as fucking nothing. Yeah. And he's now, Mobbed up. Yep. You know, for sure. And it's, it's very interesting to see where he came from and where he ends up. So, mm-hmm. but I think we're going to like, again, we're going to call it here. Okay. Record well, Patreon. All right. And, uh, yeah. Uh, head on over to your, you know, social media stuff, Facebook, dark windows podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram, dark windows pod. Also head on over to studio.com. Yep. Check them out. They have headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker. Find what you want. Put it in your basket. Put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. And as Kevin mentioned earlier, a little slip Patreon. up. Patreon.com. Was it a slip up? I don't slip up shit. You did. That was done up. intentionally. Oh, okay. It's tactically inserted. Ah. Uh, just like. Just go over to Patreon.com forward slash DarkWindows podcast. Well, fuck you then. And Enjoy it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, get a f- another free episode each week. It's not free. You pay if- for it. Well, I'm sorry. You but... have to pay for it. $5. Get you another free episode. Yeah. And you can possibly listen to more asshole stuff. Or you listen to us ramble sometimes. Yeah. We do ramble a lot. Uh, Happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, with that being said. With that being said. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. <gasps> and we'll be back with more Irish car bombs next week. Ooh, we should one. do some for that. Oh, they're so bad, though. Yeah. We no. got to do one. No. We got to do one. I'm not going to do it. Oh, you're close. <laughs>